Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. And today we are in chapter four. In our last lesson, we did uh, verse 18. And in this lesson, we're going to do, hopefully, verse 19. So let's, let's just take a look. Let's read our text. Proverbs 4, 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Christ, our righteousness, and pray, dear God, I pray that you would be glorified in what is done here today, that young people who belong to you will be edified, strengthened, built up, corrected, and that if there are those listening who do not belong to you, that have not believed in your Son, then, oh dear God, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Oh Lord, don't allow this to be a temporal work of vanity. But Father, please work in the hearts. What does it matter, Lord? Unless people are transformed, unless the kingdom of your Son is made to grow and to be strengthened. And Lord, we thank you for your Son. We bless your name for him and for what he has done on our behalf. And oh Lord, we look forward to the day when will we see him. So now Lord, please help these young people in Jesus name. Amen. All right, well, let's let's look back just for a moment at verse 18 and uh, kind of get a summary of what's going on there. The path of the righteous. It is a path marked out by the will of God. That which is righteous is that which is conformed to the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is not some standard outside of God but is the righteousness of his very character. God is righteous and he's the standard of righteousness. And we are righteous only to the degree that we conform to him. And it's since his attributes are eternal, the standard is eternal and immutable. Now, why is that important? We live in an age where, well, almost every generation uh, defines righteousness in a different way. Um, as a matter of fact, if we were to compare this generation to the past generations, this generation 
not only renames righteousness, but does an entire flip-flop. What is wicked in the eyes of God today and always is considered righteous to most of Western culture. And what God abhors, even to the point of saying an abomination, is what Western culture today calls righteousness. So realize, there, things are always going to change. And the opinions even of church leaders, um, sadly, often change. And, and they change for self-protection. They change in order to uh, be pleasing to the culture around them, or maybe even with good motives. But still, it's wrong. It's pragmatism. It's compromise. Know this, God's standard of righteousness does not change because he does not change. Okay, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Everywhere you walk that is outside the will of God is walking in darkness. That shines brighter and brighter until the full day. But those who walk according to God's commands, they walk in the light. And as they come to know the commands and they come to know the God of the scriptures more and more, the greater is the light that they walk in. Um, I don't want to uh, give an illustration that's too common, but say you had a little pin light and you're trying to look at the path in front of you with a little pin light. It lets out a beam no, no larger than two or three inches is very hard to walk on that path. It lets out a very dim and narrow light. But the larger our lantern, the larger our flashlight, the stronger, the more light there is on the path. The more we know God's word, the more light we're going to have to walk in, to know the will of God, to know how to carry it out to obedience. Okay? so. The path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until noonday. This is so much what I want for you. It's God's will for every believer. There's so much more light to walk in than you know right now as a young person. So much more wisdom to be had. You know, we live in a culture that flip flops everything so that on these TV shows and things for years, the parents were the ones that were unwise usually. And it was the, the children that had all the wisdom. Well, that's a lie. That's just a straight up, in your face lie. It's not true. You need to grow in wisdom. And if you don't, you'll remain in darkness as an unbeliever. But you can also remain as a believer in something like a shadow land, never walking in the fullness of the midday sun of God's revelation in his word. So please study, 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 read the Bible, read the Bible, memorize, meditate, obey the Bible. Now, in verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. Now, what is the way of the wicked? It is the way of evil. What is evil? Anything, everything that stands in opposition to God's revealed will and God's revealed character through that will. Again, man is not the standard. I know the human humanistic 
motto, you know, man is the measure of all things. Well, he's not, not at all. And the measure of all things is God and the measure of all things doesn't change young person. So if you're listening to culture, you'll have a wrong standard. But if you're listening to the scriptures, the God of the scriptures, you'll know what true righteousness really is. Now, I wrote here, the path of the wicked is marked out by rebellion against the will of God. So many times, even, even the word amartano, which is the Greek word for I sin, to sin, um, it means to miss the mark. But don't think that in the context of Scripture, it's talking about someone who's aiming at a target and misses it by a few inches by mistake. No, this is missing the target because you hate the one who commanded you to shoot the target. And you don't just miss by a few inches, you miss entirely. And so when we talk about sin, we, we have this tendency to want to blame others for our sin. You get in a fight with your brother and sister, so you sit there and go, well, he made me do it. Well, no, nobody made you do anything. Uh, your brother may have sinned, but that does not give you the right to respond in sin, you see. So the path of the wicked is the path of evil because everything that breaks rank with God, everything that says, I will not have you to be Lord over me, and that's what's happening when you disobey. That's evil, and that's the path of the wicked. Now, it's a path, and it's a path that's worn out. As a matter of fact, the great multitude of humanity has walked that path, so it's very deep, very marked. It's not hard to miss it. And on one hand, when you walk down that path, imagine all the world standing on each side of the path applauding you. When you walk in the way of the wicked, the world, which by and large has rejected the will of God, rejected the Savior of God, they will applaud you. They will applaud you. If I were to get up and say that um, abortion is very, very proper and a noble response to overpopulation, <laughs> everybody in the world would love me. But if I say what I would say and do say, abortion is wicked, it's evil, it's murder, it's contrary to the will of God, then the world is going to hate me. So I wanna tell you something, for a while at least, it's easier to walk in that path. But know this, though the whole world before you is for you, God is not. And in time, he may let you run he may not even stop you on that path the full course of your life, but one day you will stand before God and you will have to give an answer, not for taking by mistake the wrong path, but taking the wrong path on purpose because you hated the God of the other path, you hated the righteousness of the other path, and well, you love yourself and you just like walking in evil. And so we need to be very, very clear. In Proverbs 2.13, uh, uh, there's a very important point made here that I want you to see. That 
you have to do something else before you do evil. Before you run to evil, you have to run away from something else. In Proverbs 2.13, it says, from those who leave the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. One of the things you need to see is these two paths, the path of wickedness and the path of righteousness, they're polar opposites. They couldn't be more different. Uh, they're not friends at all. And there's no, um, well, let me put it this way. Righteousness is never going to reach across the aisle and take the hold of evil and pull evil to it. It's not going to dialogue. The path of righteousness is not going to dialogue with the path of the wicked and say, well, why don't you move over halfway and I'll move over halfway? Because if it does, righteousness is no longer righteousness. The other thing I want you to see is that um, not only are they polar opposites, they're mutually exclusive. Okay? You, you really, it doesn't work out trying to work in both, to walk in both. It simply does not. You're either in the path of the wicked or you're in the path of the righteous. Now, when we walk down this path of the righteous, I want you to be clear about something. It doesn't mean a person in the path of righteousness that they are impeccable, that they are without sin, that they are perfect, that they've reached a point of sanctification where they never sin. That's not what it means. Those who walk in the path of righteousness, let's contrast them with those who walk in the path of unrighteousness, of wickedness. Those who walk in the path of righteousness, they do so because they have met Jesus Christ. And they have believed savingly in Jesus Christ. And the work of salvation is more than just an act of your will. It's a great work. It all results from a great work of the Holy Spirit. So those who walk in the path of righteousness, they have been born again. Now I know that term is thrown around and maligned, but it literally means re regenerated, uh, made alive anew. And as we look at all the scripture, we see that the person has actually become a new creature. They have a new nature that loves righteousness. And you say, well, if I have that, Brother Paul, then why do I still struggle with sin? Well, because there's a thing called the flesh. There are not two natures in you. I do not believe that. There is one new nature, but there's still this residue of your fallenness that's called the flesh. And it fights against your new nature. But make no mistake about it. Although there is a fight, you will notice a great difference. That there will be a love for righteousness and you'll lament it and be broken when you see that you don't love righteousness as much as you should. Um, you will walk in righteousness and when you find yourself not walking in righteousness, it will break your heart and you will repent, you will confess and then you will take up the path again. That's the way of the righteous for us. It's not this perfect peddling. It is uh, a struggle. On the other hand, the way of the wicked, they could care less about the way of the righteous. Um, they don't really want to walk in it. And if they do walk in it, they don't like it. And if they leave it, it doesn't hurt. Why? Because they still have their Adamic nature, sinful, fallen, Adamic nature. And so 
when they look at the path of, of righteousness, they don't like it. There's nothing there for them. But when they look at the path of wickedness, immoralities, sins, lusts, they like it. And when they walk in it, they feel good about it. And when they, well, it's just easy. Why? Because a person does according to their nature and they have a fallen nature and so they love fallenness. But that's not you if you are a Christian. And if you are this type of person, maybe you ought to talk to your parents and your pastor about whether or not you're truly one who believes. Now, one of the chief characteristics of the lost, of those outside of Christ, is that they dwell in darkness. And it's more than just a path. It's the sphere in which they exist. So imagine this. Imagine a person who they're in the they're in the water, okay? They're in the water. But now imagine that they're under the water and they've opened their mouth and they're drowning and the water is in them. So not, are the, not only are they in the water, they're under the water. Not only are they under the water, the water is in them. They're in the water and the water is in them. That is kind of what we're talking about with regard to the darkness of a lost person. Their heart is dark. Their mind is dark. And they walk in darkness. And that's why it takes more than just, you know, a change of lifestyle. You know, more than just a New Year's resolution. It takes an inward work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. That darkness in the heart has to come out first. And then you'll see that person move out of the path of darkness. Now, let's look at a few passages. Um, let's look at at first John and let me see here. I'm not concentrating much today. I've got a lot on my mind. I just did uh, four sermons in Spanish, so I'm kind of tired. Um, well, before we go there, let's go to Ephesians. I want to I just remind you of something that's so very important. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, the unbelievers, in the futility of their mind with regard to spiritual things, eternal things, with regard to God, their mind can be described as just full of futility. And he says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. In the hardness of their heart, they have rejected God and are excluded from God and cut off from the life of God, which that life of God is not just life. It's an illuminating life that causes us to understand who we are, who he is, and how then should we walk? And he goes on in verse 19, and they have become calloused and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice 
of every kind of impurity and greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. That last verse, verse 20, is very important because, again, it's saying light has nothing to do with darkness and the teachings of Christ have nothing to do with antinomianism and moral corruption. They say, what was that first word? Antinomianism, lawlessness. Even today, I'm a bit frightened about what I hear some people say in Christianity. Young person, listen to me. We are saved by grace alone, not by the law. The law actually exposes our sin and points us to Christ. But having been saved in Christ, having been reconciled to God, the law is a standard of righteousness. The commands are a standard of righteousness. And we need to see what God's will is through the commands, through the law, in order to walk in righteousness. For example, um, a person can say, I love you. They can say it to their wife. Um, but then they can go on and define love any way they want. Do you see that? Well, I love you according to my way of thinking about love. And it seems like most people's when they have their own way of thinking is very self-centered. But see, when the Christian says, I love you, then there's all these commands defining what love is. So you can determine whether or not what you're saying is just empty poetry or a reality. Love is patient. Love is kind. A husband who loves his wife lays down his life for his wife. You see, so it's not enough just to throw out a few Christian cliches. Be holy. Okay, but what does that mean? Be righteous, but what does it mean? And never forget, the world is always seeking to redefine those terms. Always. It walks in the darkness and it wants to pull the church into the darkness. Now, I want to look at one more text to show you that the basically the characteristic of the world is that it walks in darkness. In first John now, chapter one, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, um, don't just think about some physical darkness. Um, or let's not just think about a spiritual darkness, but let's talk about, let's go wider. Let's include also an intellectual darkness. They cannot understand God. Um, they cannot know his will. But let's go a little bit further to a moral darkness. Um, immorality is well, first of all, what is morality? It is it is that standard of righteousness that agrees with who God is and what God has commanded. And the world lives basically in a moral darkness. It does not want to know God's will, does not know it and does not break. Is not contrite. When it breaks God's will. So this is the message we have heard from him 
and announce to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God has nothing to do with darkness and darkness has nothing to do with God. They are mutually exclusive. They are polar opposites. You can't have the one without the other. And if you want to study that further, look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Be very helpful. He goes on to say, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, if you're truly a Christian, if you've truly been born again, then you're no longer in darkness. Uh, you've been translated from that kingdom to the kingdom of light. So that's good. But if you're a person who claims to be a Christian, yet your whole life is, is just marked by um, spiritual darkness, you don't, you don't care to pray or read the world, a word, and intellectual darkness, you, uh, you don't care to study God's word or grow in knowledge, and it's like you, you don't even understand the basics of the Christian faith. And then a moral darkness, in which, yeah, you really like to do things that are contra, that are against God's commands, against God's will, and leads to the corruption of you as a person. If you're like that, you need to be very careful because the evidence points to the fact that, well, you're in the way of the wicked and you like it and you're not a believer. If you are a believer, then listen to me. Um, it's not that the moment we're born again that we're just bathed in light. We're given a new nature. The darkness is taken away. But we're like babes in Christ, and we really need to grow. And um, we do that through the means of grace that God has given us. We do it through the study of Scripture going to church and listening to biblical exposition, being in fellowship with other people who love the word, who love God, reading good books, by also avoiding certain things. Those are the means of grace. And even though God has done a work in our hearts, because of that privilege, that work, we have a great responsibility. And that responsibility is to grow in light, to grow in our understanding of God's will, and to not only obey that will, but to reflect his light, his purity. Well, we didn't get very, very far this time, but um, when we come back, we are going to look at those who walk in darkness and we are going to see um, that they are condemned to stumble, destined to stumble and fall, and many will not recover. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Please take what is edifying and be built up, but also take the warnings, the exhortations to, to strive for the prize. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. 
visit heartcrymissionary.com 